I am, though happy to be home, I could not tolerate all that sunshine. I just, I think, I think I've become a Midwesterner, I'm not sure. But it's good to be here, good to be back. We are now in 2020. And this year, many churches along with us believe that because of this year, 2020, that our theme should be centered around the year mark, 2020, which many people look at it as having perfect vision or, or clear vision. And so uh, we, last week, we're handing it out, that, our little cards and saying that's 2020 uh, vision, seeing clearly that's going to be our theme this year, where everything that we do is with the hope that this year uh, God will help all of us, spiritually speaking, to see clearly what his purpose and his plan is for all of our life. Now, I think that many of us uh, are not sure about what we're supposed to be launching off on tomorrow, uh, which, as we've been mentioning again, that tomorrow we're going to be starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, knowing that some of us are kind of unsure what that's all about, uh, we felt that we needed to begin this new year talking about uh, fasting and helping us all have a clearer focus as to what that's all about and uh, what, why we should even fast at all. I mean, what's the purpose of it all? So I'm, I want to begin uh, giving you the message God's put in my heart for all of us by looking at a couple of uh, verses from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter Nine, Matthew chapter 9, specifically looking at verse 14. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday, the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Now, Jesus was asked by the disciples of John, which is very interesting in and of itself why John still had disciples. John's ministry was to prepare the way for Jesus to come, and having done that, Jesus is now on the scene. John's ministry should have come to a close, and therefore also his own followers should have come to a close because they should all be following Jesus. But that's a message for another day. Nonetheless, they come to Jesus and because they recognize the disciples were not fasting. They fasted as John's disciples, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they had followers who also fasted. So Jesus uses a little illustration and say, hey, uh, when you're with the bridegroom, for instance, if you're at a reception and the bridegroom is eating, do you fast then? Of course not. You celebrate along with the bridegroom. And so they're with me now. He said, but the day will come when I'll be taken away. 
meaning the day when I am ascended back into the heaven at the right hand of my Father. And then they will fast. And so the Lord was helping us to understand that their fasting is part of the Christian journey that we should all undertake. And we've elected to do that as many churches are doing uh, for the uh, first 21 days of the year, so to speak, beginning tomorrow. We're doing ours. So I want to take a look at, first of all, what is fasting? Many people are confused along that way. So let me give you a simple definition. You'll see it coming up on the screen, that fasting is abstaining from food for the purpose of devoting time to prayer. Notice it's abstaining from food for the purpose of devoting time to prayer. We fast, abstain from food. We do not fast from activities. In other words, I've heard in the past some Christians say, well, I'm going to fast television. Unless you're in the habit of eating television, <laughs> that's not fasting. You can't say, I'm going to fast from looking at my phone uh, or any of that. We don't fast from physical activities and things that we do. We fast from taking in, from eating food. Are you with me so far? Okay, as it just, I want to make sure we lay that one out first. And we fast for the purpose of giving ourselves over to more prayer time. In other words, if our fasting doesn't result in you and I praying more, then all we're doing is really dieting. And that has no spiritual value whatsoever. Our fasting should be to the measure so that we can devote more time and more focus on praying. By the way, fasting is also an outward form of humility, where we are denying ourselves some form of food in order so that we can pray, and it sends God this, the message that we are utterly dependent upon him especially in the areas of what, for which we are praying for. So that's what fasting is, the denial of food in order so that we can spend time in prayer. Now let me look at why we need to fast. And for that, I want to turn to the book of Daniel in chapter 10. If you will, let me get mine. So now in Daniel chapter 10, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips. I used no fragrant lotions until these three weeks had passed. Now look at verse 12. 
Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. So now... Daniel gets a vision from God. We don't know if it was in a dream or how he got the vision, but God revealed to him, gave him a picture of some impending hardship that was coming to the nation of Israel. Daniel begins to fast. And notice his fast was not a total abstaining from food. His fast was an abstaining of choice food. And in his case, choice food meant that he didn't eat any meat during those 21 days, nor did he drink any wine during those 21 days. Uh, By the way, this is where we get the 21 days of fasting from, uh, from the book of Daniel in this portion of scripture. Notice also that Daniel didn't wear any lotions for 21 days, which meant he put no deodorant on for 21 days. Now, we're going to fast, but please (laughs) bless us by wearing deodorant for 21 days, okay? We don't want to go that far. We we don't don't want anybody to feel like this is something that they just can't handle. So, for 21 days, three weeks, Daniel fasted. And he fasted from rich foods. Now... What we want to communicate to all of us is how you fast within the next 21 days is between you and God. We're not here to tell you what not to eat. We believe that as you pray, the Lord will direct you as to what you should be abstaining from. I will say this. It has to mean something to you if it's going to mean something to God. Meaning by, if it's, uh, if you're like, well, I I normally eat ice cream once every six months, so I'm going to fast ice cream. Well, that's not really a big fast, is it? It's not really a big sacrifice to you. It's got to be something like if you're a Puerto Rican and you have rice and beans every day and you say, for 21 days, I'm not going to see a bean, I'm not going to sniff a grain of rice, that means something. Now, you see where I'm going with this? Meaning... Daniel didn't eat any rich food, or another translation say pleasant food. We will leave that up to your interpretation and the guidance of God's spirit as to what you should abstain from. I would also say this. Please be careful about trying to overextend yourself in this way. If you have never fasted before, please Make sure that you're being led by the Spirit of God and not just an emotional thing to say, I'm not going to eat any food for 21 days. You probably will collapse after two days. Also, if you have medical condition that will preclude that, it, you, sh- that you shouldn't fast or that you should at least check 
with your doctor before you do so. We, you need to do that, okay? We don't want anybody getting into any medical situation because of this fast. We believe that the important thing is I'm abstaining from food in certain way so that I can spend more time in prayer with God. That's the focus. Are you with me now? Okay. So, now, notice that Daniel fasted because he got this vision and he needed and desired more understanding on this vision as to what exactly was going to take place, how it was going to unfold. So he begins to fast, and he does it for 21 days. But the Bible tells us now in, in verses 12 and through 14 that he ultimately gets a visit from an angel who's been sent by God in answer to his prayer, but the angel reveals to Daniel, Daniel, the moment you began praying three weeks ago, God sent me to answer your prayer. But I was delayed because the prince of Persia, this is all spiritual symbolism now, the prince of Persia kept me from coming to you. Now, the prince of Persia is, symbolizes an evil spirit. Many believe it's Satan himself that stopped this other angel from coming to Daniel with the message God had for him. And so now the angel said, and I was delayed there until Michael, another archangel, which is a very powerful angel came and he now confronted the prince of Persia, a, a, that angel, and now I was able to be released and bring this message to you. Now what that means to us is this, that fasting releases spiritual warfare unlike we've never known before. There are things that are taking place in the spirit world that you and I are, don't have a clue of what's going on. I want to encourage you to know that God hears and answers prayer. But while we are fasting, whatever it is that we are going to be praying for, we, we should not be discouraged if the answer doesn't come immediately. Because there's always activity going on in the heavenly realm. God hears and God answers prayer. And I want you to see something because this praying and fasting is a spiritual discipline. So I want to help you understand something. The moment you and I set out to fast, all hell is going to come against us to stop us. And your own body is going to try working against you. Have you ever noticed the moment you utter the word fast, you begin to get hunger pains? <laughs> it's like your body is saying, oh, no, you're not. Right? And there are things that are going to take place that you need to be careful of. Uh, activities that you may have to wane down on or, or cut back on because you might get lightheaded in, 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 as you uh, continue on your fast. We have our spiritual nature desires more of the things of God. Our physical, sinful nature wants to war against that. So there's a war going on within us. There's a war going on without us, a spiritual warfare. But ultimately... God's purpose will prevail. Ultimately, God sent Michael, another archangel, a powerful angel, to now cause the release of the message that he has. God has incredible things prepared for you and I this season. This is a year, I believe, where we are going to receive visions from God. 
There are people in this congregation, you are going to, whether it's going to be through a dream or as you are praying and waiting on God, God is going to reveal to you that which is going to take place in the near future. And there's an important factor that we need to recognize in here that God is going to reveal you, to you and I what is yet to come. But like Daniel, we do have an adversary, a spiritual enemy, who desires to keep us from receiving clear vision. In other words, from receiving a total understanding of what we, God showed me this thing, but I'm not sure how it's going to play out. And we begin to seek after God, Lord, show me. What am I going to do? How is this going to unfold? What steps should I take? And as we pray, God's going to answer. God is going to come to give us incredible understanding, 2020 vision, as we humble ourselves and pray and fast. He'll be victorious over our adversary, and we'll have a clear vision of what is yet to come. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In Acts chapter 13, in verses 1 through 3, we find this. Among the prophets and the teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work. Everybody say special work. Special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So you get the picture. Some of these leaders in the church were, were praying and fasting, and while they were doing that, the Spirit of God began to speak very clearly, saying, there are two men that I have a special work for, and I want you to separate them, and I want you to release them to the special work that I have for them. This is the account of the very first official missionary being released from the church where God now separated two individuals to go out and begin to bring the gospel to places that have never heard the gospel. It took place because there were people who were fasting and praying. I believe that there are people in this room and those that are watching on the internet that God has a special work for you. There are things that God wants you to accomplish for his kingdom in this year of 2020. I feel with all my heart that in order for us to get the vision of what that's going to mean, we need to pray and fast. There are missionaries in this room. There are people in this room that God wants to release to minister the gospel. And I'm not talking missionaries just to other nations. And I thank God if that takes place. But I'm talking about there maybe there's a place in your community that's never heard the gospel. There are people that need to hear the message of the gospel. And God is saying, I have a work for brother so-and-so. I have a work for sister so-and-so. As we pray, the Holy Spirit is going to speak a word of clarity that will give us the, the release to say, these are the individuals, pray over them, and release them to do what God's called them to do. Yes. 
You see. God has a special work for the church of Belmont. Work that God wants us to accomplish this year. And as we give ourselves to prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit is going to give us clear vision as to what that work is and who's called to that work. Now, there are many people in this room that are spiritual esters. Here's what I mean by that. In the book of Esther, we find the account of a young lady who was of Jewish background. God's people were now in Babylon. She was in there and had been taken into captivity. And Esther had been personally selected to become the new queen. And she was now in this position of great honor. But there was a man named Haman who hated the Jews, specifically a guy named Mordecai, uh, who was the cousin to Esther, although he didn't know that at the time. And he devised this evil, wicked plan to destroy, to kill, to annihilate all the Jews. And he got the king to sign off on that with a signet ring. And so when this word came out that this is what's going to take place now, we find that God's people are in serious trouble. Mordecai, Esther's cousin, now urges her to approach the king and to beg for mercy for the people of God, for the for Israelites. But Esther hesitates. She doesn't really want to go to the king because according to the law, if Esther entered into the presence of the king without being summoned, it would mean death. Unless when she entered, the king would extend his scepter, which means I'm going to show you mercy. So Esther was very hesitant in saying she didn't really want to go and risk being killed. So now we pick up the account in Esther chapter 4 and beginning in verse 13. Listen to what we find. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did exactly as Esther had ordered him. Chapter 5, verse 1, on the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter for her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you even if it is half the kingdom. So now, 
Mordecai tells his cousin, I believe God put you in this place for such a time as this. You were raised to be queen for this particular moment in time. And so Esther now receives that and directs the people, I want everybody praying uh, and fasting for me for three days, and then after that, we're going to go in, and I'm going to see the king. If I die, I die. But as she enters, as we read, she enters into the king's presence. He sees her, and he extends the scepter to her. He gives her the mercy that she needs. God gives her favor with the king. But it doesn't stop there. Unprovoked, the king says, Esther, what is it you want? I will give it whatever you want, even if it means half my kingdom. God gave Esther favor with a heathen king that he was willing to abundantly bless her, you see. And if you go on to finish reading the chapter, God does bring about a great deliverance for his people, you see. Now, I'm reading that to, to you and I here today because today we are surrounded by people who are in trouble. All around your community, within your family, within the sphere of your job or your school, there are people who, like the Jews, are in trouble. People who need deliverance. People who need God to come through in a special way. And this 2020 vision that we're talking about is seeing clearly that God has uniquely positioned you and I where we are for such a time as this. You are in your job for such a time as this. It's not that you got that job on your own. God positioned you on that job. So, by the way, you should not look to leave that job until you get God's permission. Right? So you, you are where you are because God positioned you there. You're in your community because God positioned you there. You're in your school and, and you have this schoolmate because God positioned you there. You're in this church because God positioned you here. So now, having been positioned there, I, it's my prayer that this year you and I would have this 2020 vision to see clearly that God has uniquely positioned us where we are for such a time as this so that we can be used by God to impact the world around us for Jesus. Now, naturally speaking, we may feel that we're just not qualified. Many of us back from that, well, I don't know about that, all that, Pastor, because there's nothing about me that qualifies me for what God has positioned me to do. I don't have any skills. I don't have much talent to speak of. I, I don't see anything within me that how God could wind up using it to impact lives for his honor and for his glory. Listen, 2020 vision for every single one of us. It's not about you. It's about God. It's not about your talent. It's not about your abilities. It's about your availability. It's about you telling God, you have positioned me here for such a time as this. So God, 
Fill me with your wisdom. Fill me with your power and use me for your honor, for your glory. Esther never imagined that God would position her to be the queen of a heathen nation just so that she could be there on the day that he could use to deliver his whole nation. And you are where you are, and you can't imagine what God has purposed and planned. You and I have no clue of the magnitude of the blessing that God wants to bring in and through our life to help people that are in trouble. But it's my prayer that as we give ourselves in these next 21 days to prayer and fast, that God will begin to show us and that, listen, I believe this is going to be a year of God's favor. I believe that God is going to give us favor that we can't even imagine. Favor where God will bring blessings into our life, not for us to keep, but so that we could use it to help others, to be a blessing for others. I want to believe God for great things this year. I want to believe that God's going to bless the, the church family at Belma, not so that we can possess much, but that we can in turn go out into our community and be a blessing to them and to help those who are in trouble. Would you say amen with me on that? That's our desire. But it begins with you. It begins with you and I recognizing God positioned us right here, right now, for such a time as this. Worship team, if you would come, please. I believe that this year, 2020, is going to be a year of incredible blessing. And by blessing, I mean, personally, we're going to see growth take place in our lives like we've never seen before. Drawing closer to the Lord, becoming more like Jesus, being used by him in ways we never imagined we would ever be used by the, by the Lord. And the key to this whole thing is the scales coming off of our eyes. The key to God accomplishing his purpose here on the earth is giving you and I this clear vision that it's time that we see clearly the plan that God has for our lives this year. That we're not here just to sit on a chair on a Sunday for an hour and a half or whatever and, and feel good about ourselves and then go about our normal day-to-day -day routines and not be impactful in this world. God desires to use every single one of us to impact the world around us for his honor and glory, to be a blessing in people's lives. There are Esthers all over this room people who in the natural might seem insignificant, but in the hands of Almighty God will accomplish significant things for his purpose. Will we give ourselves in these next 21 days to turning over our plate in some form or another so that we can focus on prayer, 
asking God, God, this year, I want to see clearer. I want clear vision this year about what you want to do in my life, God. I'm not talking about my neighbor right now. God, for the next 21 days, I want to focus in prayer on what you have purposed and planned for my life this year because I don't want to miss out on any of that. Would you say amen to that? I want everything that God has purposed and planned. And I don't want to say no to anything or shy away from anything because I can't see it. I don't understand it. I want God to give me that clear vision so that I can see that which he has purposed and planned, knowing that everything he does is good because he's a good God and that he will never, ever let you and me down. That whatever he reveals to us, however he wants to use us, I can tell you right from the jump, you're going to be scared. Oh, no, I, I never did that before. I, and God's going to say, but you asked for clear vision. I've given you a clear vision of what I want you to do, what I purpose for your life this year. I'm going to use you like you've never been used before, like you never imagined you could be used. Because it's not about you, it's about me and what I want to work through you. Stand with me.